Wurren, Wurren, Merba. Nasosun. Woman Inga Dadiao. Shandi woman Inga Shaw. Shishini de woman. De woman Shin Shinli. De woman Ichi Sue woman Kui Jadao. Ni Shwashima. Ni Shangyashima. Woman Shuyani. Woman Shaw. Banju woman. Shin Banju woman. Zai Mingzada Yesu. Amen. Ready? Yeah. All right. Who understood that? We got. Dang it! <laughs> Wait, who one. did? Who was yes. that? Man, because my Chinese is not good anymore, that man. I'm, not. I'm sorry for what I said. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> we'll have to find out from you what he really said. Yeah. <laughs> no. There was at least forty percent accuracy, probably. It's been a minute. That was Mandarin. Yes. Or an attempt at it. Well, actually, I started with uh, a different language and, and then went into Mandarin after that, so just to mix it up. Because why not? The point of that was not just I, to, I have like, no idea what the point was. <laughs> no, I do. You do, because you asked me to do that. Yes. To give a feel. It's a little preview into possibly where we're going tonight. What's, what's the point? If we sat up here and spoke in a language you didn't understand, what would that do for you? That's really the question Paul's going to be answering tonight yeah. in relation to the topic of tongues. And so, thus, Chris, opening with that, if, he sat, if we sat up here, and Paul basically says this in this chapter, we sat up here and talked in a different language and no one understood it, then we'd all walk out the doors like, wait, what did we show up here what for tonight? Just happened? What was the point of that? So here we are in 1 Corinthians 14. Here we are. 1 Corinthians 14, when do you guys read that? The whole thing? Yeah, I would love read to it. read it. <coughs> do it. Okay. In English. Okay. Yep. All right. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as a flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. 
Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign, not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three in each in turn. Let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is a God, not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers... Earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. It kind of speaks for itself. I don't know why we're even up here. Yeah, I don't either. Um, <coughs> there are a couple of little things in here yeah. we probably need to talk about. Yeah. That, those rattlesnake verses of 34 and 35. Mm -hmm. you but it. you know what? Verse you miss it, you know. But here's, here's so a reminder of the context. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we say this every week, but it's good to be reminded. Uh, C.S. Lewis said the bane of uh, modern, modern preaching is the fear, fear of repetition. repetition. Um, so we keep saying that so quote. So we keep because, saying that quote yeah. <laughs> because we repeat ourselves over and over that's again. Right, that's right. So the church at Corinth is a jacked up mess. If you haven't learned that yet, you haven't been paying attention. Mm -hmm. uh, and in chapter 12, Paul addresses one of the major issues that's causing division in the church at Corinth, and that is the use of gifts. Uh, to build themselves up and to uh, maybe even be abusive to others in the church. And then um, hopefully last week you listened to the online message or you came to one of the morning services and you saw that in chapter 13, Paul says, look, love is superior to all the gifts. If you're not loving, it doesn't matter what your gift is. And so in 14, um, it, because he lays out this idea that love is superior to the spiritual gifts, and love is eternal, he now returns to the matter of spiritual gifts in 14, explaining that love builds up and the Spirit edifies and that prophecy is to be preferred over tongues. And that's really all chapter 14 is about. So let's pray and go home.
<laughs> and I do think just as far as, <laughs> as far as context as well, it is important also to remember that nobody in this church has the testimony that I and many of you have, which is, well, I grew up in the church mm. and I've been going there my whole life. I really yeah. never fully understood the that's, gospel. Like, that's nobody's that's testimony. Most people in the room, either there's some who grew up Jewish, a lot of them grew up going to the pagan temples with like, you know, temple prostitutes and all sorts of things. And so they're coming out of uh, chaos and, and, and deep sin and insanity in these, in these pagan temples, yeah. um, which is part of why Paul has to address things like, no, you actually shouldn't be sleeping with your, your dad's wife. You shouldn't be, um, you know, doing these things. And, and, and even this point he makes here near the end that like our God is a God of peace, not of chaos, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people are coming out of a, of a, of a, uh, a world of chaotic worship, I guess. Yeah. So. And so we're going to work through the passage tonight by answering some questions. And I hope you have those questions. You <laughs> I got them? wrote them down if you don't have them. Okay, you Chris got them? Has them. And then we're also going to take questions. We don't have to take them all. But we, we, we don't have to take them. You, how about this? We're going to let you text questions <laughs> yes, in. I should probably say it that way. It's a good caveat. And we may or may not answer them. Yeah. So uh, that'll be on the screen just, in a minute. I know we've already, both of these guys have given context, but let's just do it just to make sure we're on the same page because I think this is going to help a lot. Flip back a page or scroll back a page to 1 Corinthians 12, I want you to specifically see a couple things on here because Chris was talking about the, their background. You know, So there it is in verse 2 of 12. You were pagans. You were led astray to mute idols. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want you to understand that no one speaking the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. So tonight we're talking about people speaking in either tongues or prophecies. And so one important principle in here is this idea of that it takes the spirit of God in us to awaken in our souls to call out Jesus as Lord. Okay, so keep that in mind. Um, he brings up their background when he comes to this topic of spiritual gifts. That's important. And then uh, he says there's a variety of gifts, but it's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. That's verses 4 through 6. So he, he grounds everything in the Godhead, the Trinity. Same, right? See there, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Same spirit, same Lord, same God. So our understanding of spiritual gifts goes back to who God is, that he's not chaotic. He's a God of order and peace, and he um, is not a God of confusion. Uh, so that's why he says do it in order. And then uh, if you keep reading, we're going to see a little bit about prophecy. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another, various kinds of tongues. So there's not just one kind of tongue you can speak in. There's various kinds um, there. So that's all kind of background here again, because 12 through 14, you kind of you have to read it as one whole what you call it, paragraph or not paragraph, yeah. one whole teaching, it's one whole thought, really. one whole thought teaching yeah. that idea. So there so you the go. First question. We kind of again go. we broke up this into five-ish, I guess, yeah. questions. The first one is just like, what is what is Paul's main point? Like, what's he what's he driving at here? Why why this section? I, when I when I read it and I think about these three chapters in their context, Paul is trying to drive home that it's the same thing it's been with the Corinthian church and really is with us uh, in the church in America today is this idea that there's division exists in the church and it shouldn't exist. Here's mm -hmm. here here are the divisive points, and here's the answer to the division, and and Paul's main point in this chapter is look. 
you guys have wrongly elevated, and we'll see this as we talk about these, you've wrongly elevated tongues over prophecy, mm-hmm. and, and you shouldn't have done that. It's divisive. You need to be more loving because your gift is not for you, it's for other people. And so that, that to me, is sort of the main point of kind of the overarching thing, not, not just of these three chapters, but really of the entire book of Corinthians. That, and, and he keeps driving them back to this deep doctrinal idea of the love and, and, um, and uh, community inside the Trinity. Yeah. And verse 12, I think, really does a good job of sort of summarizing what he's saying without, within this whole chapter. Verse 12 says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, which he's saying is a good thing. Like, you should want mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Because of that, strive to excel in what? In building up the church, okay? So that's, that's big picture here. You want this, understand, like Vicky is saying, understand why it's given to you. And just, just think about that for a second. Like, what if, what if that was our mentality, yeah. What if we didn't come to church with this thought of like, what am I going to get out of this? What am I going to get from the teachers tonight? What am I going to get from being a part of Watkinsville or Wadi College or whatever other place? But like, what am I going to go and give to build up those around me? What am I going to go and pour into and encourage and exhort the people around me? I I think this would be a completely different place, Yeah, you know? If you want to see the Spirit of God at work, would not that be seeing a group of people who are so committed to each other where there is no division, where like they are going after the mission of God in a way in which like these all these peripheral issues have like dropped to the side. I mean that's that's what it's about when you build up the church that you put these divisions to the side. And and I would say for this chapter really, you're gonna walk away saying he really cares about building up the church. That's a phrase he uses like yeah. at least six times in this chapter. Yeah. It starts in verse three, prophets who speak to people for their upbuilding in verse four he says builds up the church um and then anyways you just keep going there it's throughout the chapter this idea of the point for us with spiritual gifts is to build each other up so how are we doing on that like what does that look like are we doing that well those are questions we need to ask as we kind of apply this to our to our lives i I have a question oh we'll just all right go for it I, 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 we've been wanting to answer this one, so I'm going to throw it out and let you guys have at it. W- what, what are the points of division in the church to, today? <laughs> like, no, go. Just throw like one in, out. In our church right in, now. In our church or in the church at large? I think this still continues to be an issue of division. Like, you know, so you could walk into this room tonight and some people would say, I I believe the spiritual gifts have ceased, ceased, and I think, no, they've continued. So it can be continuationist or cessationist. Um, But that's, I don't know, that's probably not. Also, just mention the the elephant and the donkey in the room. Um, There it is. Come on. Well, listen, I mean, we're we're in the middle of an election year, and and, like, and one. Man, are we? Yeah. (laughs) And it's no joke, like, politics has has become i think the issue in in the american church and it's saddening because the reality is we have one king and his name is jesus and regardless of who is on the in the oval office in 2021 right like that doesn't change and so this is a this is a huge issue right now i don't know how it looks in the college sphere but i think across america we're seeing a great division that really needs to be i think spoken into 
Um, I, I mean, I hear things like, how could you be a Christian and vote for this person? Yeah. How could you believe the gospel and vote for that person? Right? I mean, yeah. attaching um, your, your faith in Christ to a political party, like that, that's, that's sin, and that's a problem, and it's causing a great amount of division. So just don't, if you've already fallen into that, then uh, it's time to repent, but don't fall into that. Like, don't believe the lie that there's some savior in Washington or some savior coming to Washington or, or, the, or whatever. I'm, not, I'm, I'm avoiding saying so question? many things right now. There's like 17 filters Devices. in between here and here. But I do think politics is a huge issue. So it's what were the divisions in the church? That was the original yeah. question. So I think to, to tie it back into this text, it should be, okay, so if political, if the political climate really is an area of division for our church, then what does it look like for spiritual gifts to, to make that where that's not an issue? Right. Because the issue is, again, are you loving? That, that's the issue. Again, remember Paul says if, if, if you go back to 13. You got to get the cream in the middle of the Oreo. Yes. Chapter 13. It is the cream in it's the middle. The in it's the like middle double Oreo. stuff. You just been waiting to it's, say that, haven't you? Yeah. I was. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think we'll stop right there. <laughs> All right, go. I, I, I'll interrupt you again later because I got some good ones here. No, it's fine. What, are we, no, are no, we, you go. We go to our next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, that's fine. Um, Actually, I don't want to do that yet, because I just, I, I just, one thing, real quick, because I had this thought on a run yesterday, and normally when I'm on a run and I have a thought, it's like, it's like I get clarity when I'm running, and I think this kind of fits into still that first question, because within Paul's main point, within this point about what it means to build up the church, it's so important, and again, I've, I've said this already in this teaching, but we're just going to repeat, like, we have to understand what the purpose of the church is, right, if we're going to understand what it means to build up the church. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about my family. So my family is about to move overseas, and we'll be joining a missionary team there, right, with the express purpose of sharing the gospel among an unreached people group to see churches planted there. Um, Some people on that team will be in, like, vocational ministry. Like, that's what they do. Some people will be working jobs in this country to provide and then, you know, also be... Um, trying to reach out to the people in the, in the marketplace there. We have singles on our team. We have college students on our team. We have families like ours with kids. We'll be meeting together and operating as a church. And each of us, by necessity, are different. We have different gifts. We need each other. And, and we have the same clear purpose. We're on this team with one singular goal in mind, right? And we're always trying to build one another up and encourage one another towards that goal, using our gifts and time and talents towards that one clear goal, to be a source of light and truth among the people that are walking in darkness. Now here I think is the question, apart from geography, what separates that picture I just described from this local church here, from the reality here? I don't mean missiological strategy of like going to, to the unreached, I just mean practically speaking, the reality of church, like what's different? Because the answer should be absolutely nothing, right? Right? Absolutely nothing. But what I know is that because this country, the gospel has been here a long time, there's a lot of churches, a lot of Christians, a lot of teachers, this lie seeps in that says somebody else will do that, right? They don't need me because they have somebody professional who does that, or they have enough people, or what a big church that is, right? Like, this is the local church here, and we just need to own that and see that, and nothing has changed about the strategy or purpose of the church and that's why this text is so relevant, even if there's stuff that we're going to get to that can be confusing, like, 
the overarching point, the gifts that God has given you are to be used for the upbuilding of this church that has a purpose to bring light to darkness here in Watkinsville and in Athens. And we have to live that way and see this church the same way that I'll be seeing my, my missionary team. It's like a group of people using our gifts for one clear, concrete purpose to like push light into darkness. So just like yeah. keep that, again, every week, I just want to throw that in front of us. Like keep that in front as we dive into question two. Should we speak in tongues? What should tongues Vic? look like in today's church? Wait, what? what? Uh, it's your me? turn. You've, you've just been like dodging. I, let me, let me, no, I'm not dodging. I'm just, I'm getting ready. I'm just getting what ready. should tongues look like? Should we speak in tongues today? <sighs> let me give this caveat. I, I am what you would call a cautious continuationist. This is, this is what that means. I believe all the spiritual gifts are available. All right? But the way that we historically, or not his, recent history, have seen them practiced, I don't think measures up with what Paul is talking about here. So I'm going to give that caveat <clears throat> and say this that I, the word, the actual Greek word is the word. Uh, Gloss, glossaia, mm -hmm. which is literal tongue, yeah. right? And so I think it's languages. There's some argument that it could be a prayer language that's specific to uh, God and the person. I, I don't want to die on that hill, but I don't think that's it. I think it's an actual human language. And uh, yeah, I think there's certainly space for them to be practiced. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the problem is not with tongues, right? That's not what Paul says the problem is. The problem is the way it's being practiced mm -hmm. and that there's not an interpretation. Like, I, I think um, I wouldn't have any problem with it happening in this room if it happened like it ha Paul says mm -hmm. it needs to happen. Yeah. Someone speaks in a tongue, someone has an interpretation, then it builds up the church. That was, that's what Paul says. We, again, this makes some people uncomfortable. We're going to go with what the Bible says. All right? And that's what Paul says. If you speak in a tongue, there needs to be an interpretation. If there's not an interpretation, you need to be silent. And so... Within the church. Within the church. Yep. Yeah. There you go. It is worth noting, I think, even if there is an interpreter, it seems that tongues still have a completely different purpose from mm -hmm. prophecy, right? I mean, mm -hmm. tongues are described as being praise from man to God. Yep. And maybe someone interprets that, and then people can join in and say amen to that praise from man to God. Prophecy is truth from God to man, right? So these are, these are different things we're talking about here. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So oh, like tongues ton with an interpretation is not the say same Say that as again. The whole thing? No, the part. <laughs> okay. So tongues, tongues are praise Even a tongue with an interpretation is still, it's, it's praise from man to God. Yeah. Whereas prophecy is truth from God to man. man. So they have a different function. Yep even when they're both done biblically and according to scripture. So just be aware of that. And leads to question. That actually, no, that makes sense. Be because what Paul says in the context is, I'm sorry, I'm piggybacking oh, it's, on it's this. It's fine. I, lo I love that it. This is the danger of us answering questions. We're just going to interrupt each other <laughs> all is. night. It's fun. <laughs> so y'all can enjoy it or just take a nap. Yeah. Um, because... <laughs> um, because if a tongue, what Paul is saying there is if, if there's not an interpretation, then clearly the only one that can understand it is God. 
Mm. So it's communication between that person and God, not that person and anyone else. That's why it's only edifying. Yeah, makes sense. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. Can, can I make a, a side note? Yeah, go uh, just ahead. Be, just because, and maybe you have a thought on this, it almost seems like Paul just makes this little aside right here in the context of this conversation about tugs, about tongues. He says, don't be children in your thinking. Yeah. Right? Uh, but then he says, yeah. be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And to me, that's a huge point that he just kind of says and then moves on. Yeah. But I, I was meditating on that thought. What, is he, what does he mean? Be infants in evil. And I just, I felt compelled by the Spirit <laughs> to, I did, to, to just talk about this for a second. Because I was thinking about my kids. They're not infants, but I mean, they're young. And I'm thinking, what, is it, what does it mean to be like my kids when it comes to evil? Okay? Like, I don't. I don't hide things from my kids, like hard things about the world, but I also don't like unnecessarily introduce them to wickedness, right? Like, hey, kids, come watch this show on Netflix with me. Like, you need to see all the evil in the world. Like, come watch whatever. I don't even know what's on Netflix. I can't even give a good example, but like, I don't do that. Um, But we do like, so we get emails from missionaries all over the world. And and, uh, we found out about a guy who was being hunted down by men who wanted to kill him because he was a Christian. And we tell our kids about that. And then they pray for him. And they ask, like, how's Bashar doing? Like, did his dad who was trying to kill him, did he die? Like, yes, he did. Like, you know, things like that. We tell them those things. We don't hide that. We want them to pray and understand what's going on in the world. But we don't watch horror movies with them, right? We don't expose them to evil for no good reason. When we were in Thailand for visa runs, like... We, we walked the streets of Bangkok at night, and I still covered their eyes. There's things I don't want my kids to see that they don't have to see. This may seem obvious to you that I would, like, do that to my children on the streets of Bangkok. But, like, you need to be like my children when it comes to evil in the world, guys. Like, don't, don't be entertained by evil because you become callous to it, and it, and it just it seeps into you. Okay? Be, I'm going to say it, be legalistic with yourself sometimes about what you watch. Oh, yeah. Okay? Be in, like choose, make an intentional decision to be infants in evil because the world is glorifying right now. Evil and darkness, it sells. And, and the more I think you let that in, the more it just becomes a part of you. So that, that, Paul just threw it in there, but I felt like it was, it was important to just mention in the room. That's good. And the point to tie that in is, but he says, but in your thinking, be mature. So basically, yeah. don't check your brains at the door. Like, where you need to grow up is in this area where, like, you know, um, just I think in our conversation tonight, the way we're talking about this, like, that, um, you, you know, we don't just say, oh, yeah, like, whatever they want to do, that's fine. Like, no, like, let's think about this and contemplate it. And t- yeah, I, because there are some places where I think we would, we would push back against certain practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and before the night's over, we might. We might. But prophecy, what is that? As different from tongues. So I, all right, I, th- I think before we get there, I think we need to say this first. Okay. Pa- because in verse 5, th- this is important. Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Now, some people take that verse and say, well, that means, and you may have heard this. You may have come out of a, out of a background that says, the sign of the Spirit is if you speak in tongues. Mm. That's just not right. No, I'm just going to tell you, that's not the sign of the Spirit. The sign of the Spirit is, are you becoming more like Jesus, and are you bold in your witness for Jesus? That's how you know you have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But when Paul says um, in there, I want all to speak in tongues, what if you took that, and, and like that means 
everybody should speak in tongues, go to 1 Corinthians 7, 7. It's the same, ver it's the same language. I wish all were single. Oops. Oops. Yeah. Well, that means the three of us are, are in trouble. Right? That, that's not, it's, it, again, it's, you got to think through some of this stuff in a mature way. But what he does say, so it's, it's um, what, is, what is he saying? You, you can't take it out of context. Uh, it's, it's, what he's saying is you shouldn't elevate tongues, but it's not the most important gift. He finishes that thought in five. Um, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. And every time the word greater gets thrown out in Scripture, people lose their minds. Mm -hmm. This is He doesn't mean essentially greater. He means functionally greater. But he, he tells you why. Because yes. He said it throughout the whole chapter. Why? Because prophecy builds up mm -hmm. the church. I mean, this, this is the same flowing thought through these three chapters. Yeah. Like, this is... This is the outworking of pursuing love. Verse 1, pursue love. I like what Carlos said this morning. Like that word pursue, like the pursue is like hunting a deer or a criminal or whatever. Like it's like, yeah. it's not like a casual, I'm going to try to get that thing over there. Like no, it's a pursuit until you get it. Like pursue love. Yeah, it's, it's not like, a couple of translations translate that word follow. That's just not, no. it's not got enough no. uh, pursuit in it. Imagine the best chase scene from an action movie you've ever like that. Last of the Mohicans, where he's chasing that <laughs> deer I thought you at were the going, beginning yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a spectacular yeah. movie. Again, again, this is what happened. What was the question? What is prophecy? Did I even come close? No, to we, you that? were giving a, a prequel to the question, so we're good. We're ready to go. What is prophecy? Verse three says the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. I didn't take Greek, but I really, I don't like the way that they translate that because like really, I mean, upbuilding and encouragement especially, these are, these are much, to me, these are much bigger words that have to do with, with exhortation, uh, which really means like a, like a summons, a calling to something, right? Is, is what that word, um, I think it's the one encouragement, what that one means. Um, but again, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, right? Um, I think when we talk about prophecy, like a lot of things can come to mind. So maybe for you, when you hear prophecy, you're like, what, what is that like Isaiah? Because he was a prophet, right? And he, he prophesied, but it's different, right? I mean, because Isaiah was speaking a word directly from God that we, is scripture. It's infallible. Yes. And so if I'm going to give you a really simple definition. I, I think in the it, what, what Paul is expressing here and the way I've actually seen it practiced, and um, we might tell a couple of stories. <laughs> um, it is it is it's not foretelling, right? Which would be Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah. That's foretelling. That's the these things are going to happen in the future. Um, that's that's Old Testament prophecy. I think prophecy in the New Testament would be um, forthtelling, right? And you looked up the definition of forthtelling. And to make it was public. To make public. Yeah. Right? And let me, I'm, so I'm going to give you one example. Um, 
several years ago, we were preaching through Luke and at a service. Uh, it, was, it was the passage where Lazarus uh, died and was raised from the dead. And uh, actually, I had preached in all three morning services. And then the last, the third service, um, I did not mean to, well, I'll just tell you what I said. Into my head popped this sentence, and I said it out loud. So God will do whatever he needs to do to get you to come to him. Sometimes he'll kill your brother. Right, that sounds cruel, doesn't it? Right? And when it came out of my mouth, I thought, oh, no. Toothpaste. Can't yeah, it's like toothpaste. You can't get it back in the tube. Yeah. Right? And I just, the rest of the message, I'm thinking, why did I say that? Like, I was mortified that it was on. It's been recorded. Like, like I can't unsay it. <laughs> it's forever. About a week later, one of our costumes comes to me and says, I, I don't know why you said this at that service. But the friend I brought with me to church that morning, her brother had died about a year and a half ago. And when you said that, it was like God was speaking to her. Now, that was not me saying, how can I be mean? <laughs> that I really believe that was God saying, I need you to say this mm -hmm. because there's a girl in the room that needs to hear this. That's, I, I think that's an example of prophecy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Did that did that help explain it? Any? I think that's that's helpful. That's not me foretelling the future that yeah. hey, this girl's going to do this, and yeah, but, but it's just God needs you to hear this. He wants you. And I don't I don't have a specific example that I'm going to share, but in general, I think when when this has been something I've experienced, it it would be more in the form of something that I feel compelled I need to say to somebody else. And I, I share that piece just to say that this, I mean, this happens not like every day, but this happens somewhat frequently. But when it happens is when I'm in the word, I'm in prayer, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about others and how to upbuild them, how to encourage them. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for the things of God, thinking about the things of God. And, and God brings things to mind. And so I then reach out to the people that are brought to mind with the things that are brought to mind and share them and, and to upbuild and encourage. I mean, I, I don't think it has to be even as... Um, crazy as the yeah. God might kill your brother's story, yeah. sometimes it is. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's also just like, I, I need to share this with you for your, up, for your upbuilding. Yeah. Right? Wayne Grudem has a really easy definition for prophecy, and it is human reporting something God has brought to mind. So human reporting something God has brought to mind. So uh, another definition by John Piper is a spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained utterance. And then he puts lots of qualifiers on it. So if you know John Piper, yeah. you know why. He says that does not carry intrinsic divine authority and maybe mixed with error. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, when you start reading about prophecy in the Bible, it's always accompanied by test, 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 test. Like literally any, any place you go when it talks about prophecy, you're like seeing these, uh, you know, like it's pointing us to test the words that are given. And Paul would say no different in 1 Corinthians. So I think for us, we should desire these gifts. We should desire these spiritual gifts, as, as Paul tells us to. Um, and, and know that, like, at the same time, we need to see how that works, what, 
what we're doing there, what someone else is, how they're practicing it, how that meshes with the scripture, right? That's where we go to because right. that's, we're, when we prophesy, we're never adding to the scripture. That's secondary. That's outside of the scripture. So God may be giving us words to say, but it's not the word that has been said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so if you, again, you look at other places in scripture. Um, so we, we have a couple of questions that are along these lines. Uh, so I'm going to ask this, and, and we got to go quick because we got one more topic I, to cover. I, too. I know. If we're told the heart is deceitful, how are we supposed to uh, trust others' prophetic words? And I, I'm just going to I'm going to let John and Paul help us. In First John four, he says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but mm-hmm. test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world." So that's John. And in First, uh, I think it's First Thessalonians. I thought I had it written down. I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, like 19 through 21. Paul says, um, don't quench the spirit. I I think what he's saying there, do not, don't forbid prophecy, right? But test prophecy. And there's a, there there are guidelines and guards for how you do it. Does it, does it move you toward Jesus and toward the authority of scripture or away from it? And if it moves you away from Jesus, and the authority of Scripture, it's not from God. Yeah. If it contradicts Scripture at all, yes, not from God. Right. And again, this list of three words that Paul gives that prophecy is for. Upbuilding, I found where I'd written down what they mean. It means edification, promoting Christian growth, like Vic just talked about. Encouragement, exhortation, a summons to something greater, something towards Christ. And then consolation. If it doesn't do the, one of those things, again, it's, you know, you're missing the mark. Or right. It does the opposite of those things anyway. But, but there are... There's authority inside the church that, that God has given us to help us and, and hold us accountable to mm-hmm. that. Which leads us to question that was, number last. That was a segue. I, I felt it. Uh, question five. Should women really not speak in church? Because Paul seemed to say that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, again, there is... I'm glad you just stepped... Onto that landmine. You're welcome. I was waiting for a moment. That's just the Listen, I'm leaving the country in like five months. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> so that, they don't know this, but that's actually why you're up here. Yeah, well. So you can, no, I'm just You're kidding. welcome. Go. No, I mean, listen, there, there, is, there is context. And we keep, we've said that like 17 times. There is context. Um, even within the context, I know that this hits our modern ears like chauvinistic nails on a chalkboard, right? That's just what, when you hear that, I mean, I cringed a little bit reading it like and you just find you find yourself thinking maybe paul wasn't woke yeah like, read verse 34 you know, in your feminist studies class i know right um two <laughs> i just want to say two things about it and then you can add anything that you need to go one is we i don't have a bible to hold up but we hold to the authority of the word okay. of god I, yes, and even Peter even says some things that Paul writes are confusing. So yes, there are things that are not just like crystal clear when you read them in, in English and they involve study. But if the word has spoken, then we do not like brush it to the side or try to reshape it or, or try to fit it to what we feel or, or to our modern ideas, right? We sit under the authority of scripture, under the authority of the word of God. And so if, if you don't like it, you don't change scripture, you actually have to change you. Right? So just, just hear that. Second thing, and, I, and I, want, I do want you to speak to like really what specifically um, I think it's, it's like 
Staying true to scripture, but what specifically Paul is addressing here, I want you to speak to that. But I also wanted to say this before we even get there. And I feel comfortable saying this because I feel like Jesus did stuff like this sometimes. Otherwise, it might sound a little bit blasphemous. But I'm just gonna, I just want to give you like a little like imaginary scenario for a second. Because, and, and here's why. God created man and woman differently. Equal in dignity, value, and worth, but different in the way that they express ultimately the image of their creator, right? The image of God is not fully expressed in man or fully expressed in woman. It is fully expressed in his creation of man and woman, okay? They have different roles. And, and this, in marriage, there's even a, a whole different conversation about the roles of marriage, but they're, they're, we are different, okay? Now, within the church, the church is supposed to be a picture, right? A picture to the world, of, of we're the bride of Christ. There's something going on here. And we've even talked about seeing the, the Trinity imaged in the church, the order, the beauty. So imagine this scene in heaven for just one moment. Imagine that before the foundation of the earth, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are together in perfect unity discussing the plan to rescue humankind from the plight of sin. And Jesus says, you know, I don't want to be the suffering servant. I don't, I don't really want to die. I'm not feeling that. Like, Holy, Holy Spirit, could, I think you should die. And Holy Spirit says, I, I don't really want to glorify you. I, I, I want to look at me. I provide power to people. I should be glorified. This should sound ridiculous to your ears. It, yes, and it should, okay? But listen. When we buck against the, the roles that we've been given by the creator God, it is equally as ridiculous, okay? In my marriage with my wife, I may say, I would really rather you lead because I'm just feeling kind of lazy. I, you, will you tell our family where to go and what to do and I'll just <laughs> ride that train? I, no, <laughs> I, I'm good. tempted towards that that's good. a lot, right? But that's not the role I've been given. My wife, Jessica, I, I just, I don't want to really submit to your authority because I know better. And sometimes she does, but she still trusts God in me, right? And there is beauty because that's how God created it. So fight the temptation to just buck against what God has designed for a purpose. Now, talk about the text for a second. So I, when Paul is, so the question is, so should women be silent in church? Because Paul... I mean, it's what it says, right? Mm -hmm. The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If they want to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. It is shameful for a woman to speak in church. So this is, this is one of those cloudy texts, right? <clears throat> and when a text is cloudy, you need to go to a place where it's clear. And I'm going to let Joel take us there in a minute, but I want to take us back to... Chapter 11, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Paul, remember, Paul says, when a woman pro prays or prophesies, right? Look at, look at 11.5. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, remember the whole issue of head coverings and authority? Obviously, if a woman has her head covered, she can pray or prophesy. That's what Paul's saying in 11, Right? Trust me, Paul's not contradicting himself in 14. He's not schizophrenic. He, yeah, he's no. not schizophrenic. He's talking about a specific situation mm -hmm. yeah. here. And so to give more clarity, 
You go to another passage. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's no way you can look at this and go, oh, yeah, okay, well, women can't speak in church. That, no, that, there's just no way you can possibly think that. So, <clears throat> because he just said they're praying and prophesying in church. Um, probably, you can go to 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. Um, this is the other occasion in the Bible where women are told to be silent. Yeah. In 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, it says a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over man. She must be silent. So if you look at that passage, which is, is really clear, and you could look at the whole text there to understand what, and, and people, don't get me wrong, you can, you can get a hundred interpretations on this. But this is where I think we would stand as a church and where you would find our stance overall would be that the idea that he's presenting right there is authoritative teaching. So that would mean uh, a woman playing the role of an elder or pastor. And so there he's saying that is not the job of a woman in the church. That, That job is reserved for men, for men to lead. And so... Uh, when you come to this specific instance in Corinth and what's happening in 1 Corinthians 14, you, you see that um, you, you could start kind of like making some conjectures of, of like, here they are. In fact, one um, commentator said, you can kind of look at it as a service. There's praying and prophesying going on. But in their common culture of how they did church, you might get to the end of the service. And that's when the pastors and elders had to stand up and say, okay, here's what you need to hear. Here's, here's what we're judging to be true. You have to keep in mind that there was no New Testament right. that they were reading. They were li- literally reading Paul's letter. That was, that was the scripture for them. That's what they had. They had uh, the Old Testament, but beyond that, there's no New Testament to walk them through like how to do church and what to believe and how to treat Jesus and understand him fully. And so here they are as a church trying to figure that out. And God specifically was using these spiritual gifts. That's why it was so critical in this specific period, too, was, it was because of the issue of, of the scripture. And so he's using these gifts of, of prophecy and, inter- and tongues and interpretation all to help the church and build it up for them in this very critical time of church history. And so there's, there's, you could look at it those kind of ways of maybe that was happening there. Uh, all through the letter of, of Corinthians, there's different times where Paul is speaking into an issue that he's been asked about. Yeah. And so we don't, we don't have the full background here to understand it. But what we can, can know is it's not saying women can't speak in church. That's not the case. But um, there are some parameters for us, as we've talked about through Corinthians, on how that should play out. Okay. we got a question. This is a great question. I know it's... I know we're eight minutes past, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow some time. There you go. So this I, I just got this question. I think you clarified it. This person says the text literally says a woman must be silent. How can we justify that with other passages, but then take other verses exactly as they say? Feels like we're picking and choosing what to take literally. That is a fantastic question. Yeah. And we need to answer it. So if you need to go, go. But we're going to answer that question. So this is basic hermeneutics. You have to read in context. Yes. So the whole point of this is for you to read his whole letter as a whole. Paul didn't write 
here's this little yes, verse for he you didn't to write read. These two verses. Okay, read that, church. No, he gave them a whole letter. So you have to read the whole letter in its context to understand what he's saying. And so, again, if you go back to chapter 11, like this, that's just not what he's saying. Right. And, and so you have to go to other places where he's written. And, and that, that's, see, this is, this is how cults start, right? Mm-hmm. People will pull one verse out yeah. and abuse people with it. And, and that's happened, right? We mm-hmm. all know that. We could probably all cite a place where someone has taken one, like their pet verse out and used it as a club, all right? And what, we, what we're saying, and it is a, it's a big seminary word, hermeneutics. It's just the process and the practice of interpreting Scripture. So you have to take the entire letter of 1 Corinthians mm-hmm. in its context. You have to take 1 Corinthians in the context yeah, of right. the New Testament. Mm-hmm. You have to take the New Testament in the context of the entire Bible. The, the Bible is not just this set yeah. of random words thrown together. It is the revelation of the living God to his people. And guess what? He's not like us. Like His ways are different than our ways. And it takes a lot of words and a lot of history for him to reveal himself to us. And it's complicated. But what we have to do is we have to trust the Bible. Because these are God's words. And we have to trust the spirit that he has given us to operate through us in love. So that we love each other and build each other up. And we don't take verses like verse 34 through 35 and use it as a club to oppress people. And so the issue is, it goes back again to, are you being loving? Mm -hmm. And if you're not, just stop. Right? That's my rant. We're done. I'm going to pray. Yes. I hope that helped. If you have other questions, keep texting them. Don't say you'll do a podcast. We may answer. (laughs) That was good. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, again, we could probably go another hour easily. And, uh, but Holy Spirit, you got to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bring clarity. And uh, anything we said that was confusing, Lord, I pray you would clear it up. Because you're the only one that can. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, the bottom line is we don't want to be divisive. Um, we want to we want to center around Jesus and the gospel and the truth of your word and not be ashamed of that. Uh, but we also want to be loving and unified around that gospel. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can do that in us because we have nothing in us that wants to even do that apart from you. Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being patient. Sorry we went that long. Have a good night. Yes, have a great night.